Hi, I'm Jamie Winkup. Hi, I'm Dick Johnson. Hi, I'm Garth Tander. You're listening to the V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Is Shane Van Gisbergen returning to V8 Supercars? Who'll get the final seats in the main game? And is Stoner in or out? That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. Find out what's going on in the world of V8 supercars with the V8 Insider. Reports of the future of Shane Van Gisbergen have emerged that the young New Zealander will return to the V8 supercars with Techno Autosport this year. With the details of his departure from Stone Brothers never formally announced, there has been a lot of speculation from fans about how he has changed his mind on participating in the series. It is believed that the sale of Stone Brothers Racing has provided a legal trigger that removes some of the contractual conditions on drivers and driver contracts, or in this case, the separation. V8 Supercars have regretfully announced that David Coe, a founding partner of the sport, has died suddenly in the US. Coe was a partner in Sports Entertainment Limited, owner of V8 Supercars from 1997 to 2011. He is survived by wife Michelle and three sons. The Gold Coast Bulletin has reported that local MPs have been invited to attend a briefing with Tourism and Major Events Minister Jan Stuckey to air their concerns about the race. This year is the final race in the series' current contract and funding cuts by the Queensland Government over the past nine months has seen a lot of speculation on the future of the race. The event is estimated to be worth $55 million to the community. Casey Stoner is not confirming reports that he'll be moving to the Dunlop Series this year. The MotoGP champion is expected to make his debut at Adelaide and it's believed that Triple Eight had hoped to surprise fans at the Red Bull launch on February 14. Alex Premer has been confirmed at Gary Rogers Motorsport. The Frenchman, who struggled in 2013, is looking forward to his second year in the series in a car that will be more familiar with his European experience. The V8 event at Abu Dhabi has been cancelled, the track opting for GP2 and GP3 on the undercard. With the calendar already set and Yasmarina's schedule unable to find an alternative date, V8 supercars are looking to work with the circuit to find a suitable 2014 date. Up next on the V8 Insiders, Chris Jewell and Adrian Mussolino will look at the seats filling up in the main game. And finally... 
The latest edition of V8X magazine is now available with Kelly Racing's new Ultimas on the cover. Find out about the ambitious plans of the Nissan project in this edition, along with all the great regular columns. You can find it in stores or online through the mag shop for the iPod edition. And that's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range today at nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C.com.au. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Craig Lance. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, the voice of V8 Supercars, it's Chris Jewell. Good evening, Chris. Hey, Craig, how are you going? I'm very well, as I'm sure is the editor of V8X magazine, Adrian Mussolino. New edition looks fantastic, Adrian. Thanks, Craig. Yeah, it's on sale now, and um, I encourage everyone to go out and buy it. Yes, the iPad edition is also available, as you heard, in the news. But, uh, Chris, interesting time. As the pre-season test day approaches, we've got uh, still a few seats that are being vied for quite ferociously in the back in the back rooms. Yeah, I don't think that there's many surprises there, is there? Well, I really think that uh, it's going to be fairly anticlimactic when they announce who's doing what, but uh, to those people not watching the... Uh the annals and pages of the media at large for V8 Supercar. Don't be surprised when Shane Van Gisbergen embarrasses himself by making a return to V8 Supercar and probably to great criticism from many quarters, might I add, because there was a lot of sympathy, compassion and concern, I guess, for Shane Van Gisbergen when he announced last year that he'd had enough of V8 Supercar and needed a little bit of breathing space and some free time to himself. And on the back of all that, all of a sudden, he's uh, mooted to have already signed a deal to join the uh, Techno Autosports equip up in Queensland and I don't think that that will be particularly well received by a lot of people. I, uh, I have to say there'll be people who feel they've been deceived and none others than uh, probably Stone Brothers Racing now, Erebus Motorsport in Ross Stone and, uh, and Betty Kluminka. I wouldn't mind thinking there's a little bit more that's going to come to pass on the back of all that because clearly he's back much sooner than he ever made, um, you know, ever voiced he, that he would be back. So I think that there's... Uh, there's more to read into that one in the Shane Van Giesbergen story and whether or not he's welcomed with open arms is a point of great conjecture. The rest of them will cycle through, but don't be surprised to see Chas Mostert joining Erebus Motorsport, Dean Fury and Scott Pye in at um, Lucas Dumbrell and that pretty much rounds it out. The only one that we're really worrying, wondering about is the last seat at Dick Johnson Racing and why wouldn't that be Steve Owen as we head into another year? It's an interesting mix-up we're seeing, Adrian, and uh, teams uh, are going to see fellas, particularly the likes of Gisbergen, who are swapping from Ford to Holden, Holden to Ford. Yeah, no, I agree, and I agree with Chris in that there's going to be a definite bad backlash, especially from Ford fans who will feel grieved that not only have they lost Stone Brothers Racing as an entity, they've lost... You know, arguably, arguably one of the biggest talents in Van Giesbergen. Um, and just the way it was handled as well, I think it was 
you know, a lesson in how not to handle, you know, tr- uh, team switches and, you know, how not to play fans for fools. And I agree with Chris there. I think there's going to be a real backlash. Um, it looks as though that's a certainty that he will be driving that techno second seat. And, um, yeah, as he said, the, the sort of remaining seats will be filled out by the familiar names there. There won't be too many shocks, I guess. Most uh, at Erebus is, you know, a little bit of a surprise given that there was talk of an international in there. But um, it's good to see he and Scott Pye and Scott McLaughlin graduate into the main game. It's been a good year for Dunlop Series drivers in the main. They've shown so much promise and they're getting rewarded with some good racing and having a bit of a personality as well, Chris. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, There's only going to be... You know, there's not as many seats as there once were. You've got to remember when the drivers, Barguana, Bright, Tander, Steve Richards, Lowndes and co, all came into the game in the sort of 95 to 99 period, there were 35 cars in the field. Admittedly, some of those were what they used to call level two entities. And you know, now we're at 28 cars and many of those teams are owned by drivers that have a stake in their own operation, be it Tony Delberto, Dean Fury, as it was, Jonathan Webb, Etal. Uh, so I think that there is a bit of a limited opportunity for drivers to come in on either a base salary, minimal salary, or perhaps a working salary where they're contributing to their own future. But if we can morph into the equation, you know, McLaughlin, Mostert, Pye, uh, they're guys that have come through genuine pedigree scholarships, and they all have reasonably good personalities, albeit of a differing order. And I think that while everybody gravitates towards, uh, you know, Kimi Räikkönen's doing in Formula One for all sorts of different reasons, I think it's nice to have not only some personalities coming in, but on merit, and also drivers who've actually got their own unique appeal. We've seen in 2012 the, the complete domination of two teams. The Tower of the Future is supposed to make things more, uh, more even, but is Triple Eight and well is Triple Eight now because you've had two teams, Stone Brothers who are getting closer with their young drivers and FBR with David Richards selling out and is, is this going to upset the apple cart and really just mean it will be a, a one car affair or a one team affair next year? Um, it, it's a difficult one to read because you know obviously Triple Eight's been ahead of the game um, in terms of results and. They were the first as well to get their car of the future out on track. They're going to have customer cars to Lucas Dumbrell and Techno Autosport. So, you know, they're definitely going to be up there. Um, the question mark really is FPR. You know, it's not only the ownership changes with Ron Nash and Rusty Fence coming in, it's, you know, moving to four cars and how that's going to affect things. You know, as we've seen in the main game, you know, no team has really been successful running four cars. So that's going to be a big step up. Um, and as we saw last season, you know, Kelly Racing and Stone Brothers, who were the sort of next best, were sort of distracted by what was going on with the change of manufacturers. So it's a real question mark to see how they come out of the gates with their new new cars. And I, I think, you know, sadly the ingredients are there for the same two teams to dominate. Chris, what's your read? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I, I believe that when we go to the Clipsal 500 opener, there'll be the biggest gap from first to last we've had there in recent history for a number of reasons. Many teams may well have tapped into the technology of other teams, but some will be lucky to have even done a test day in their cars if they've even completed that. So it will take some time before true assessed parity will be evident. And 
normally the haves tend to do better than the have-nots. I think we might have a surprise or two, whether it's a, a BJR or perhaps even a Gary Rogers Motorsport might vault up through the order, considering, of course, Gary Rogers' team's been on track for quite some time. Brad Jones Racing Money just turned a wheel recently at Winton and also their test track uh, that they've got in Albury in that area. So I think Triple Eight go in with the ascendancy but I think you'll find it will take some time for parity to be assessed and for it all to settle down. And that's before we even query the unknown, the real unknown, and that is genuine reliability on a circuit that's been a car breaker uh, in what has been a bulletproof blueprint category for so many years. So it will genuinely be uh, some upsets in the, uh, in the result for the Clips of 500 event. But I, too, would be surprised if Triple Eight. FPR and possibly even HRT aren't the top three entities buying it out for honours there. Mm. Well, we need to take... I think I'd just add there as well. I think HRT really is a great white hope this season. They need to turn around and they have factory support, you know, three solid cars, continuity with drivers. They're really the next best option aside from the big two. So I'd watch for them. They could really be the dark horses this season for a championship tilt. Well, we need to take a break here on the V8 Insiders. We're back with plenty more right after this. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Each week, find out what's going on in the world of V8 Supercars with the V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, Chris Jewell and... Adrian Mussolino and guys, uh, one man that we've been speculating. Well, we've been speculating futures, but uh, Premit is going to return at it uh, if uh, Gary Rogers Motorsport, which I think is actually going to be good for Gary and also for the team. In particularly with the new car supposedly handling more like the cars that uh, Premit's used to, it he now knows the tracks. Are you expecting a huge jump forward from him, Chris? Yeah, look, I think he will. Um, finished brilliantly on the streets of Sydney last year after being benched for the Gold Coast event, which really got into his needle. Make no mistake, there are some other things that need to be read into this. Michael Crusoe has historically always criticised the chassis that Alex spent most of last year in. Now, whether that's fact or fiction, he's never felt comfortable in it. And the minute that that car was retired from competitive uh, outings after the incident at the Gold Coast, Pramar stepped up. Yeah, qualified Caruso on two occasions in Abu Dhabi, beat him home in the final race there, had a very good end of season both at Winton and Sydney Olympic Park. So if you read between the lines, maybe there was something in that chassis that wasn't to his liking. Case in point now moving forward, yes, we're much happier on an 18-inch tyre with better weight distribution and a car that's more like the handling characteristics that he's had in the past. Sprint races might still compromise his performance, but when you look at the end of year results last year and consider the relative experience of these drivers in Moffat, 21st in the points, Fury 19th, Owen 20th, Alberto 23rd, Patrizzi 18th. Not one of those drivers with less than three full years' experience. I think you'll find Pramar will very quickly jump up into reckoning during the course of 2013. I believe he was much maligned, and well done on Gary Rogers continuing to give him the opportunity because, let's face it, 
any person who comes into this game for just one year, case in point, Jamie Winkup years ago, who got the sack halfway through the season, it's just no chance whatsoever. So I think Pramar really has a chance. He's fired up for it. And he's been resolute that he's always going to be there anyway. And thank God he is. Mm. And, of course, uh, Chris mentioned and a couple of drivers, but even a former world driving champion, Jacques Villeneuve, found out how hard these cars are. Admittedly, he wasn't in the best car in the field. Yeah, and I think what we've got to remember with Premier as well is it's going to be his second season, so he'll know the tracks, he'll know the series, he'll know how everything works. He'll be more settled in Australia, and let's not forget he uprooted his family from France and moved them over across the other side of the world, and, and that's difficult enough, let alone the different racing culture. So it made sense for Gary to give him a second season, especially with the changes to the car. So... Um, it'll be very interesting to see how he matches up to Scott McLaughlin, who is so highly rated and is coming into that team as well um, fr- from the Dunlop series. So I think that'll be a fascinating teammate battle to see who gets on top there. Mm. It is going to be an interesting battle there. I Another driver who, well, his future has been speculated upon. There was reports over the weekend that Casey Stoner was going to be in the Dunlop, uh, in the Dunlop series. Of course, those reports are being doused down a little bit now, Adrian, but uh, I'm wondering if he couldn't manage to somehow pull a deal where he runs in both series. If you need to get a lot of experience fast, isn't that the best way? Well, it's an interesting one. Um, obviously, it came out that you know Casey was being lined up for Triple Eight for the Dunlop series, and he came out and denied it. Now, I spoke to a MotoGP journalist who reminded me that all that retirement talk was quickly hosed down, and then sure enough, he eventually did retire from MotoGP. So, um, you know, I, I believe that Red Bull was hoping to wait for the launch to sort of announce him together with the new livery and alongside Jamie Winkup and Craig Lounds. I think it's pretty certain now that he will be in the Dunlop series with Triple Eight. There were rumours that he could have been spotted in at Lucas Dumbrell Motorsport, but I think even he would acknowledge that that jump into the main game would just be too great, um, even for a world champion on two wheels. So, you know, those rumours are still out there, but I'd say the Dunlop series is the most obvious and clear choice. Um, and it looks as though Lucas Dumbrell has sorted his drivers anyway. Um, so, yeah, that speculation's around, but I'd, I'd look for him to be in the Dunlop series. Mm. What about you, Chris? Oh, look, he, uh, he won't want to embarrass himself in any way, and he certainly will not embarrass himself running in the Dunlop series. No, no chance whatsoever. In fact, I think he'll run well inside the top seven or eight from, from debut, to be quite honest. But, yeah, it's purely and simply uh, being hosed down because they're hoping for the big bang for the buck. You know, twice MotoGP world champion joins Red Bull on the announcement. They've already seen the preemptive media that they've done, which is absolutely fantastic as far as uh, the vignettes that have been circulating through viral media of late. So, yeah, it was just... Something that was let slip a little bit earlier than everyone anticipated, but yet again it'll fall into the old anti-climax of anti-climax announcements, a bit like Russell Ingall when he vaulted across to Ford years ago and we had to wait till New Year's Eve to find out what everybody knows is about August. It was, that, that particular stunt, if I can digress, was a solid good stunt. We're going to make this announcement on the stroke of midnight New Year's Day. We used to see a bit of that sort of stuff happening, New Year's Day announcements and things like that. At least with something like that, a stunt like that, there is some sort of kish value to report. Yeah, I think they're better when nobody knows about it and all of a sudden you find out something happened, uh, you know... Perez to McLaren. That was a ripper. Nobody had a clue that was going to take place. 48-hour turnaround, a lot of private talks, 
and and then all of a sudden you find that Lewis is going one way and Sergio's going the other. So, yeah, I don't like waiting. I think the longer you wait, the more chance that it's leaked. And, yes, it might be a stunt that's worthy of note, but the content is limited. Mm. Adrian, you run a magazine that is, you know, always trying to get that new image, get that new story, and it becomes very difficult when the new story is so well known and, and it's almost like it's accepted. It's, it's, uh, it's a doctrine by the time you can get around to actually officially print it. Absolutely. You know, the example I'll use is um, we got a press release, I think it was the first week in January, saying Norton has left Dick Johnson Racing. Now, I, I put that as a news story on the website, and sure enough, the fans are saying, well, you know, tell us something we don't know. You know, it was so well known, and so what was really the point? But, but it, it's difficult with the news cycle media the way it is. Um, you know, Casey Stoner, by the time they make that announcement, everyone will have known situation you know in contrast to Shane Van Gisbergen's story it's so you know it's it's breaking as we speak and it's sort of you know people can't quite believe it so there's really going to be a big shock value and that'll be great for TV and water sports because we really get their name out there Mm. so um, I think with the Casey story they should probably just have announced it I think the excitement around the launch will be around the delivery as well you know we know Casey's going to be there but what's the delivery going to look like is it going to look like the F1 car you know, that's the, the real sort of exciting talking point. And that might actually overshadow the stoner announcement now that we all know what's going on. Gee, I hope, Chris, that the uh, car isn't too blue and Holden might pull their support. <laughs> uh, plenty of red in Red Bull, isn't there? Although, funnily enough, uh, regardless of the cars they've been on, be it Formula Renault, Renault 3.5, GP2, Formula 1, NASCAR, rally cars, they all have a fairly distinctive sort of look and they're all fairly similar. So I'd be surprised if it's a break from the norm because the black and silver, sorry, blue and silver with uh, some other red uh, styling and a small amount of yellow, of course, with that rising sun red bull type look. I'd be shocked if they're allowed to go anywhere outside of the norm. I just hope they don't run that horrible-looking NASCAR livery that had the two different coloured rims front and rear. <laughs> well, you could always go with the uh, guy that jumped out of the... Uh out of the balloons livery because that was a sort of a tin can with just Red Bull logos. Maybe they'll go for the chrome look since they were so popular at the end of last year. <laughs> Good old Felix Baumgartner. <laughs> Guys, we need to take a break, but there's a couple more things we need to talk about here before we finish on the V8 Insiders. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Stay tuned for more. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Tony Delberto for listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders, the white flag lap brought to you by Fujitsu, Australia's leading air. And, uh, gee, the Fujitsu Cool Drivers Program, it's been going from strength to strength as well, Chris. Yeah, there's a bit going on there. Um, obviously, applications close Australia Day at midnight, and from last count, we had 390-something carters looking for a chance to be vying for one of six spots. And on the Formula Ford and open-wheeler front, because we've opened it up to include other forms of open-wheel racing as well, uh, we've got tens of entries. I think it was like 45 or 50 when last I counted. So I guess the catalyst for that was Scott McLaughlin when he was 
the first person to head up the youth development initiative that Fujitsu had the vision to support and you know, we're looking for the next young gun. Obviously Renee Gracie's moving into Carrera Cup so we've got cross-gendered motorsport involvement there in two different categories and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see another champion born during the course of this year. I think the bandwidth for ages is 7 to 22 now so it certainly is the uh, future of Australian motorsport in many ways and uh, yeah, I love working within that program. It's always great to see just who's putting in their applications and many people are sending videos, YouTube links, all sorts of ways to try and justify their involvement. Mm. Well, one place we're not going to this year is Abu Dhabi. And, and guys, what does it mean for the series to now lose its second Middle Eastern event in, what, the space of two years? Adrian? Um, it's a tough one. On, on the one hand, we saw how the events, the event at the Grand it really didn't work in terms of you know, the race distance and the times and the, the schedule the various supercars was put on and um, it just didn't get a good reception back home. Once Bahrain was cancelled, it, it didn't make sense to go to Abu Dhabi because you're going all that way and paying all that freight for just the one event. So it, it was always on its last legs. Um, clearly that the F1 organisers have favoured their local support categories of the GP2 and GP3. Um, whether we'll, we'll go back to Abu Dhabi, I'm not sure. I don't know whether it'll go back as a standalone event because clearly that struggled in itself. Um, but it's definitely a disappointment in the sense of international expansion and it's really not gone anywhere when you look at it. I mean, Texas and America is one thing and there's a strong racing culture there, but in terms of the Middle East and Asia, it's sort of coming up you know, with not much. Chris, what's your reading? Yeah, I don't think it's a dead duck um, as far as the expansion into the Pan-Pacific and Asia Rim. I think there's still plenty going on in the background that will ensure that we do end up in an environment that will be particularly well received. Abu Dhabi was always a tough one. It's not a particularly big population. Even the Grand Prix over there, you know, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon there's nobody there and half an hour later everybody rolls up to watch a Grand Prix for a couple of hours and go to a concert. It's very much like the mentality of NRL and AFL in Sydney where people aren't even in the venue until 10 minutes before the game starts. So V8s on the back of last year are always destined to cop a bit of a hiding in that regard and I think in some ways Formula One don't necessarily like seeing a multi-coloured, multi-sponsored, healthy category uh, that's of a, a sedan car type on their bill. So not shocked whatsoever. And the minute we heard the GP2 and GP3 were going to be there, it was uh, it was always going to be a fait play. But I think you'll find that the American event, well, there'll be every chance of linking that to a double header, and further opportunities in uh, in Asia will also come to the forefront in the next few months. Most importantly, I think you'll find the reduction in rounds or events this year won't be seen as anything other than good news for some of the teams because the proximity of timing from Abu Dhabi and the Gold Coast was horrible and also we're going to the most expensive year of V8 supercar ever on the back of having to build new car of the future machines and also have the spares in readiness so the cars can run reliably if there are incidents or mechanical problems. So I think a lot of the teams will be saying that was pretty fortunate because regardless of the money the teams get to go there and or the freight bill, there's still an inherent cost in running the cars during the course of that event. So it's a marginal cost saver for in a year that's going to be fundamentally important to try and keep those costs contained because clearly the Car of the Future program has, be, has come in way over the budget that was originally forecast. And on the back of that, the cars that a lot of teams have had to relinquish and some still actually maintain um, you know, ownership of their cars, they've lost a lot of money the other end because there's only so many people looking to buy them. So I don't think it's a bad thing this year to not replace it, 
and then I think we can build on some double-header type situations when everybody's got their uh, back out in order with power of the future. It is a, it's, it is a double-edged sword, isn't it? But one thing about Abu Dhabi, Adrian, was the time slot, whilst not good in Abu Dhabi, the television time slot back in Australia was sensational. People were sitting down in the early evening and watching V8 supercars. Yeah, one of the rare opportunities to show Vance Supercars in a prime time slot, considering that we don't have any night races here in Australia. So, um, you know, in saying that, though, you know, do fans really want to watch 12-lap sprint races that, you know, let's be honest, didn't put on much for a show. So um, it's a bit of a catch-22, as you say. Um, I, I don't think it'll be missed by the fans. Um, and, you know, let's not forget them in this situation. And I think, you know... I think the lesson here is if you're going to team up with F1, you need to get the right deal, and clearly that wasn't available. And I think Chris is right. There was a bit of a, you know, we didn't, don't really, we didn't really want to give them the sort of airtime that they deserve. So, um, you know, I think it's probably for the best. Um, I think, as you said, the, the whole back-to-back thing with the Gold Coast, that was really never going to work. You know, we've seen how much of a car crunch the Gold Coast is, so... It's good now that there's that bit of a break following there. Then we go to Phillip Island and Sydney. And I think this is the year where mechanics and team members deserve a bit of a break and a bit of a sort of easier calendar than the previous years. Yeah, they have had it tough for probably two or three years now. Chris, what's the one thing you're looking forward to out of 2013 in V8 Supercars? Oh, it's a tough one. Um just to get started, in all honesty, um, Quipsal to me is the, the sexiest, highest profile, most entertaining event of the year. It's not steeped in as much history as Mount Panorama, and it doesn't carry with it the same reward. But yeah, I thoroughly enjoy kicking off the year in a place where the ambience is up, the intensity is high, and the rewards are, uh, are very, very you know, strong as far as what people are trying to achieve there. So, yeah, let's just, let's just get to the Clipsal and get this thing underway with a new uh, era of V8 supercar, some new names, some genuine young prospects, and maybe the chance to watch uh, Jamie Winkup take the first step to start looking at rewriting history because one more championship win and he only needs another one after that and he'll be the most successful in the Australian Touring Car Championship. And I think we should salivate over watching that. He's very much maligned in many ways, but we're seeing something pretty special at the moment in a very competitive environment. And Jamie Wincup, we should be enjoying what he's doing, to be quite honest. Mm. Adrian? Um, what I'm looking forward to is there's just so much new, exciting aspects to the series. You know, Not just Nissan and Mercedes-Benz, Erebus coming in, and Red Bull, Pepsi stepping up, and... Um, you know, those aspects alone, let alone the new formats and Casey Stoner and the DVS, and you almost don't know where to look. There's so many new exciting things coming. So I really do think it's going to be a groundbreaking year for V8 Supercars, and I think it's going to take that next, next step up. I can't tell you how many people have, have asked me about new manufacturers, people who have shown no interest in the series before, but are suddenly wondering, you know, how's Mercedes going to go and where's Nissan going to end up in the pecking order? And, um, it's really exciting and, it's, you know, it's the first time for the people of my generation, the first time ever that we're going to see, you know, non-Ford and Holden's on the, on the grid. I think it's just, you know, can't wait for Crystal. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, it's a pleasure to catch up with you here on the V8 Insiders and look forward to seeing you both very soon at Eastern Creek. Cheers, Greg. Thanks. Thank you. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.